Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. Some people know I, I love to travel. I love, I love to get out on the road. And, like, if we go on a family vacation, it's not uncommon. One of my favorite spots to go is the white sandy beach of Madeira right off of St. Petersburg, Florida. And it's not uncommon for us to jump in a car on an afternoon and by sunrise be there in time for, to be at the beach. That's just kind of what I, I mean. I get in and I roll, man. And my wife has a hard time talking me out of the driver's seat, honestly. I just want to go. Just woo! Can't wait. And, and, I, and I stay focused. And there's something about driving down the road and watching the, the environment change up through the mountains. There's something about feeling the climate change, being in Ohio in the fall, and then all of a sudden you get down and you approach Florida, and all of a sudden you can smell the salt in the air. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's so good. But, oh, man, February is a great time. Anyway, and so, but you know what I found? I can be so focused and be on that long journey and get, get myself and my family there about that. But I find in my everyday life, sometimes I struggle on the long journey of life. I have a hard time at times staying focused on my spiritual life. Anybody like me? I have a hard time staying tapped in on my relationships like I'm supposed to. I have a hard time staying locked in financially on the things and goals and stuff I should be zeroing in on. Anybody like me? I have a hard time sometimes staying with the, the fitness regimen I should be on. Had a wake-up call yesterday. I knew I splurged for a few days. Anybody know what I'm saying? Part of my, part of my uh, uh, wellness plan for my summer sabbatical was to, to, to take care of diet and exercise, and I was doing so good. And, uh, and last week, I, had, I got within five pounds of my, my goal, and then yesterday morning, I'm within 10 pounds of my goal. And I have a hard time staying on track. And the funny thing is, the things that don't really matter, I can stay locked in on. Like getting to Florida, Right? I can get there, man. But the things that really matter, I struggle with. Anybody with me? I mean, there's, I mean, it's glamorous, right? The white sandy beach, the ebb and flow of the tide, the salt in the air. Oh, and my goodness, the sunset going down over the Gulf of Mexico and shimmering and reflecting off the waves. Dude, that is awesome. Come on now, somebody. But those less than glamorous things are the things that are really important. You know what I mean? The daily grind are things we all struggle with, right? Staying on track and staying locked in. And, and the things that really matter are the things that sometimes we let get away. I mean, it's, it's, it's those things. And we, we, we can chase after the glamorous, but, man, if we don't chase after the normal and the everyday, man, we're missing it. It is through our everyday life God intends to build momentum and trajectory and intend for us to arrive at a particular destination. Do you know that? He has, like I just prayed a minute ago, he saw John and he saw Kelly way before the beginning of the earth and he said this, I have a plan for them to fulfill purpose in this time era. 
and I want them to do it. And the only way you stay on it is to stay on it. You can't get on the off-ramp. you got to stay on the, the highway, right? you got to keep, keep rolling. It, it, it's the, we need to be there. And so listen to me. I want to say this several times this morning, and I want it to get kind of in you. We have to grind daily and consistently. we got to give intentionally and generously so God can work. You catch that? So God can work and get glory. We have to grind. You know what the grind is? It's the everydayness of life, the work, the effort, the energy. We have to grind consistently. We got to grind daily. We got to put ourselves in a position to give intentionally and generously. And in that, God works. And in that, He receives glory. All right? And so let's look at some words from Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I'm going to talk about those things. First thing I want to get, get across to you is this. To have something to give, you've got to grind. Okay? To have something to give, you have got to grind. Listen to these words from Ecclesiastes. Let me say this. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Let's, let's read first. Send your grain across the seas, Ecclesiastes 11.1. 1. And in time, prophets will flow back to you. But divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what risks might lie ahead. Now, some translations say something like this. Cast your bread upon the water. In many days, it'll come back, right? And what you have to understand is this guy named Solomon is, say, is writing these words. And I've said this over and over again because I want you to know this is not some, some goofy guy, although he did some goofy things. This is a guy who's considered the wisest man ever lived next to the Lord Jesus. He's not looking at it from a theoretical, you know, philosophical teenage point of view who just thinks he knows everything before he really knows everything. This is a guy elderly in life, approaching the end. He's looking back. He's discovered some things he's trying to offload onto us. So you got to understand it from that perspective. You also have to understand that he's talking to a particular kind of culture. And when he's talking about grain, when he's talking about, about doing things like we're, we just read here, it's not just, in our, in our modern day faith teaching, preaching stuff, this is all about like giving. But the culture he was talking to was an agricultural culture. And this idea is not just about giving, it's about your life. It's about two, two, two concepts that are at work here. A work ethic and a generous attitude are parallel things to these people he's talking to. When he's telling them to send their grain out, he's talking about their livelihood. He's about the reason they get up in the morning. He's talking about why they function, what they're about doing. And so it's much more than just dropping money in a basket. It is about you and how you conduct the affairs of life. And what you generate out of your life that God can use for his glory. That's what it's really about. Now here's the funny thing. Most of you, today is Sunday, and it's great because it's family time and it's church time and we worship, but Monday morning's coming. And some of you are right now are like, crud, the weekend's already over. And you're thinking, oh, another week, I don't know what to And, and, and already by like 5 o'clock, you start to take the downward swipe down into the doldrums, right? Uh, you know why that is? Because you're not fulfilling your purpose. You know why that is? You're not fulfilling your calling. I just read a statistic this week. Listen to this. 
up to 87.7% of America's workforce is not able to contribute to their full potential because they don't have passion for their work. That means less than 12.3% of America's workforce possess the attributes of worker passion. You know what that tells me? Nine out of ten of you right now are already dreading tomorrow because you're just doing a job. And you've not, you've not associated your job with your purpose and your calling. You've not thought about the gifts and the talents God placed in you to get something done. You think it's just about earning a paycheck and making sure the ends meet. And God has a, great, a much bigger idea about your life than you do. And he, he thinks your life is significant. He'd like to sow your life into the lives of other people for, for eternal value and eternal benefit. And so if it's just a job for you, one of two things is true. You're either in the wrong job or you have the wrong attitude, one or the other. And so today, maybe God wants to adjust your perception of where you are. Because, because if, you, if, you, if you are passionate about what God's called you to be, you can't be the person full of joy, peace, and hope to give it away to somebody else because you're so frustrated. And you're listening to the gossip. And you're, you're, all that stuff's going on around you, right? And so here's the thing. You've got to find out what God made you for. And when you find what God made you for, you will find that life is full of something special and precious. And that doesn't have anything to do with a job or even a paycheck. It has to do with looking at life through the gaze of eternity and going, wow, God, you, you made me on purpose. You've got something for me. Dave Ramsey is famous for saying these lines. Find something you'll love and you'll never have to work a day in your life. How many of you like to do that? Now, here's the other thing. You've got to realize something else. God orders our steps. And most likely, you're in the job you're in because God put you there. Most likely, most likely, he had a plan, a purpose you didn't think anything about. But here's the part of the other problem. We may not listen to him when it comes to picking a job or a vocation or a calling. We may set the parameters ourselves and go, you know, this is what I want. Can I say something to you? And really, according to the gospel we just sang on the screen here, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. And the very first person you should consult anything doing with major decisions in your life is him. Because he knows best. He chooses some things that seem absolutely odd at, at, on the onset, and you're like, what is that? And then you go, dude, that's crazy. That was God all the way. Wow. Maybe I should listen to him. Maybe, just maybe. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so you've got to find, listen to these words found in Colossians 3, 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, whatever work you do, okay, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's the point. Whatever you do should honor God. Whatever. Whatever words you say, whatever activity you embark upon, whatever job you take, whatever neighborhood you choose to live in, whatever thing goes on, there should be an opportunity for you to honor God in the middle of that. And if it's not, you've done something wrong, not him. But the good thing about this is there's this thing called the blood of Jesus and the grace of God that covers us when we goof it up. You just can't beat that, right? I mean, come on. Listen, listen to these words. Matthew 12, 30. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart. Check. All your soul. Check. All your mind. Check. All your strength. But I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. What he's saying is everything about your life, inside, outside, you ought to do it out of love for God. Everything. And if you can't, you're missing the boat, and you're missing the blessing of the kingdom. All your heart, 
all your mind, all your soul. And the word strength is this, all of your energy, all of your effort, everything that makes you tick. That's awesome. Is that awesome? He wants that from your life. Listen to Deuteronomy 15.10. We'll talk about this parallelism of, of, of work ethic and, and giving. Deuteronomy 15, 10, and 11 read like this. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this, the Lord God, listen to this, for this, the Lord God will bless you in all your work and all that you undertake. See, there are two, there, there, you can't have one without the other. The ability to give is generated out of the ability to work. Do you get that? So you have to find out what it is you're called to so your life can be sown as a seed in the lives of other people. That God will bless all your work and everything you undertake. That's what Moses writes in Deuteronomy. Listen to these words. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, to the poor in your land. But you first have to work to be able to open up your hand. You've got to have a great work ethic. Christians should have the best work ethic of anybody on the planet because they should come to the conclusion that the person they work for, Colossians 3, 23, 24, says this, the person you work for is the Lord Christ, not the master that has a badge on. And so you, you, you change the environment. You've got to grind daily and consistently. You've got to give intentionally and generously so that God can work and get glory from your life. Isn't that cool? Isn't it amazing? He, he, he chooses us. Listen, listen to Titus. In the same way, encourage young men to be, live wisely how you live. And you yourself must be example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and the seriousness of your teaching. Parents, I want to speak to you just really quickly. The seriousness of your teaching should be reflected in your own activity. Oh, don't be one of those do as I say, not as I do parents. Okay, let, let the, the work ethic, the joy, the peace, the, 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 the amazingness of the grace of God penetrate so deep into your soul that when, you're, when you tell your kids something, it has validity because they've seen your life. It would do you no good to sit and listen to me if my life did not reflect the words that we're reading and I take that very seriously, and I don't say that boastfully, but man, I, I, I let this read me as, I, as I'm reading it before I ever speak it to you. And I mean that, seriously. I'm not a professional preacher. I mean, I guess I am, but I don't endeavor to be. I want to be a real follower of God. I want to be somebody whose life measures up. I, not that I just speak eloquently, but that, that, my, that I am following Jesus as, I, as I'm teaching you to follow him, that we're in this together. And so let, let, let who you, and, and if you're witnessing to people, let the integrity of Jesus Christ bleed into you and flow out of you so that your words, when you speak, have validity. Don't be a part of the gossip train. Don't be a part of the, of, of the frustration, uh, uh, whatever, I can't think of a, a word that goes with that. The vehicle. Um, you, you, don't be a part of that. Be something other than that. That's what makes you holy is that you're other than what everybody else is engaging upon. That's what holiness means. It's different. It's set apart, right? Think of Matthew 25 for a second, okay? And I'm not going to have you turn there. There's a parable right in the middle of Matthew 25. It talks about the talents. Okay? And most of us think that has to do with abilities. The word talent there has nothing to do with, with abilities. The word talent 
was a denomination. It was money in Jesus' day. Okay? And so what he's saying is, I've entrusted resources to you. And the ones, the ones who got the benefit of the relationship with Jesus were the ones who took the resources handed them, and they made more with it. They worked hard with it. The one who buried it didn't get a very good uh, employee evaluation. He, the ones who took it and said, God, you've given me something. I'm going to work it. I'm going to do something with it. If God's given you a talent for music or punching buttons back there in the, in the sound booth or something, dude, that's on purpose. And when your church says they need help, dude, you can't hide that thing. Listen. When God's given you something to utilize, use it and make more of it. If you've got time, use it for God's glory. If you've got love, use it for God's glory. If you've got energy, use it for God. Wear yourself out for the cause of Christ. I mean it. If you've got skills, don't hold them to yourself. Teach them to somebody else. Make more of it in the world. That's good discipleship. Now, I said this. Grind daily and consistently. Give intentionally and generously. Let God do the work and get glory, right? Look, look at verse 3 for a second. The point in this, this, this one here, read, read like this. When, when clouds are heavy, the rains come down. Whether a tree falls north or south, it stays where it falls. And all of you went, okay, Solomon, he just went off the deep end. Right? Like, what, what in the world does that mean? Well, think, think in terms like this. A hurricane, the two biggest factors in a hurricane are two things, the rain and the wind. And we've seen evidence of all that in recent weeks, right? The rains come down in torrents. The winds blow. When the ground is saturated, trees can't stand. Boom, things fall over. Power goes out. Things, bad things happen. Okay? When that tree falls, wherever it falls, that's where it stays. So the point to you is this. Whatever you ground, whatever you've ground, and whatever you give will only be known after the storm. Once the storm of life is over, whatever you've used your life for, that's where it's going to fall, and that's where it's going to stay. However you've utilized the life God's given you, when the storm is over, wherever it lands, that's where it's going to land. Can't do anything about it then. Can't change it. Can't fix it. Listen to the words from 1 Corinthians 3. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already have, Jesus Christ. Now listen to these words. Anyone who builds, that, that's work on our behalf. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on judgment day, after the storm's over, fire will reveal the kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. Now listen to these words. The builder will be saved, but like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. And my fear is if 90% of us have no passion about what we're doing, 9 out of 10 of us are going to escape just barely through the flames. Ooh, got quiet in this almost Presbyterian church. Huh? God, because these are, this is the words of Scripture. These are not Aaron's words. 
These are not my ideas. This is in the Bible. God wanted you to hear this. I want you to think about your life. I want you, I want you to look at this word as if it's a mirror and it reflects back to you what's really going on inside of you, what's really going on about your life. Because you, you've, got to make, you, you, you've got to make assessments about how you're living, not because you just had a good service on a Sunday morning, but because it's carrying you through the, all of life. Matthew 25, again, is these, these stories of parables about Jesus talking about when the end comes. And, and, and the third one in that is called the parable of the sheep and the goats. He talks about the end of the end. After the storm is over, the king will stand in front of people, and he'll divide them to the right and to the left. Here's what happens. He'll let them know what their life was about. As much as you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Or as much as you didn't do it to the least of these, my brethren, you, you didn't do it to me. And there's nothing, at that point, there's nothing you can do about it. And I want you to be aware of this, that how you, 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 you work, how you endeavor through life, how your life echoes the grace and the, the generosity of God will re be reflected in that day. And, you, and, and you've got to take, some of you have, have gotten precious, precious things squared away suddenly. And you've been given opportunities. Don't squander them, please. Please, some of you have gotten a second chance at marriage. Don't squander it. Some of you have got a, a second chance at life itself. Don't squander it. Some of you have known what it's like to be down and out and don't have two pennies to rub together, and suddenly God has opened up an opportunity for you to live and make a living where you can thrive. Don't squander that on yourself. Please don't do that. The kingdom of God is, for whatever reason, he chooses to use weak, frail people like us to get his work done. And I don't understand it. But for whatever reason, he invites us to participate as partners in the work he's doing. And he uses our everydayness to get most of his work done. Isn't that crazy? He places us in neighborhoods on purpose. He places us in jobs on purpose. He puts us in families on purpose. He puts us in places where our lives can affect other lives on purpose. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Grind daily, consistently. Give intentionally and generously so God can work and get glory for your life. Because that's why you were created, that he might receive honor. That's why you live, not to throw a ball, not to punch on some buttons, not to, to whatever. You were created to honor him, to bring glory to him. Now, here's the other part of the equation. We get worried about what's going on around us. Listen, look at Ecclesiastes 4, 11.4. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they'll never harvest. So here's the point. Regardless of the forecast, you've got to keep grinding and giving. It's amazing to me. You know what happens? We as Christians are as, as, as to blame as anybody else. They say during presidential election years, people stop giving and they, they, they stop investing and they stop doing things because they're worried about what's going to happen when the next person gets in the office. It's true. But we're not of this world, right? We, am I right, Phil? We're not of this, 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 this planet. Our citizenry exists, our real citizenry exists in a place called heaven. Our names must be written in a book that says, hey, you're part of this family. 
This is, this is a part of the kingdom you're a part of that's outside of this one. And so when things get rough, we can't stop doing what we know we're supposed to do. Just because the clouds are hovering. Just because the forecast isn't that good. We've got to stay on our game regardless of what's going on externally around us. Listen to these words. I found this in a commentary this week. The preacher, that's what the word Ecclesiastes means, preacher. The preacher has already said that there is a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted. Ecclesiastes 3, one of the first messages I preached. But the conditions will rarely, this is, the conditions will rarely be ideal. Gazing at the effect of the wind and the darkness of the clouds will mean no sowing or reaping. The fact is, is if we wait for the ideal condition, we will rarely achieve anything worthwhile. The life of faith is an adventure. Take, taking the opportunities that God presents to us. Our timing may not be right, but his is perfect. Boy, that's good, isn't it? Isn't that good? See, you, you keep waiting. I, I know people, well, you know, I'm going to wait until I get this promotion, then I'll really start making an impact at work. No. We're going to wait until we get this and that and this other thing squared away, and then we're going to get married. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait until blah, 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 blah. And there's all these stipulations. And God flings the door open. He's like, walk through it. Would you just walk through it? You know, when we move to that new house, then I'll start tithing. When I get what I want, then I'll start doing what I know I'm supposed to do. Right? When, 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 when things get just like I want to, when they do this, I'll do that. And you know what? Satan's really good at making that time never occur. There's always going to be, and when you get to that one point, there'll be something else he'll throw in for you, like, oh, yeah, I can't do it now either. Yeah, probably not. Some of you are waiting until, you know, wait till, I'll wait till I get my college debt squared away before I go on a mission trip. Come on, man. And I'm not telling you to be lackadaisical on, on your finances. Don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But if you're going to wait for the perfect time, trust me on this, the perfect time is not going to materialize. It is not going to happen. You know why? Nothing on this planet's perfect. Nothing. Not even timing's perfect on this planet. But God will put you in a place. Paul says these words in Ephesians 5.16. Make the most of every opportunity. The days are evil. You know what that means? If the days are evil, it's not perfect. Things aren't just right. Things will never be just right. Things aren't going to, listen, things aren't, they're never going to be right. But make, take advantage of the opportunity God's put you in right now. Right now. Right now. Don't pay attention to the forecast. Don't listen to the pundits. Listen to the, listen to the Bible. Listen to Jesus. Get, get a group of people who are around you, who know you well, who can encourage you with wisdom and prayer covering and make decisions based on that. Not on how you feel because your emotions will betray you. They will absolutely betray you. Don't, 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 don't go with just what, what, what the experts say, although I'm not against doing some study and some research. But ultimately, if there's something nagging at the inside of your chest and it lines up with the Word of God and God says, just go do that, you should just go do that. Okay? Jesus never gave people any perfect circumstances to work in. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. So you got to grind daily. you got to give intentionally and generously so God can work and get glory for your life. Last point. This is pretty awesome. Look at verse 5. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God who does all things. You are never going to get how God uses your grinding and giving 
you're, it's never going to make sense to you. You're never going to understand how God takes your little and makes much out of it. You're never going to get how he, how he orchestrates the steps and orders you to put you in places. You're never going to understand how exactly that whole thing works. And so as long as you try and assess and, and, and research and do all that, you're never going to come to grips with how it exactly works because it's a step of faith. You're never, there's a mystery how God uses our work. There's a mystery surrounding how God uses our giving. There's, there's a mystery around that. But he uses that. The reasons there's mystery is so he can glorify his name in the middle of our lives. If a human being could make sense out of it, it wouldn't take God. Right? Listen to Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return but waters the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, those are these words, giving seed to the sower. This is what we've been talking about, right? The ability to work, the ability to invest, right? Giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. We get to reap the benefit of the work, right? Hear me what I'm saying? So, that, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I pur- purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. If, you're, if his word rests in you, people won't be able to make sense of how it's working. They'll just see that it is. Because it's higher than you, and it's higher than me, and it's higher than them. And, and he's, he's at work through us. Listen to Romans 11.3. Oh, the, 11.33. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. And there's an exclamation point there. Is that awesome? Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable are his ways. You can't make sense of them. He, Paul's like, dude, he just fries. My, Paul's one of the most intelligent men that lived during his time. He's like, I just can't figure it out. He has inscrutable ways. I can't scrutinize what he's doing. I can't understand it completely. Listen to this. I, I, think about the little, the little fella for just a minute. Jesus is preaching to 5,000 people, men, not counting women and children. His fellows come to him and go, hey, Jesus, these people are really hungry. What are we going to do for them? And Jesus looks at them and goes, so what do you have? I can see Peter going, uh, and all this, this little boy over there going, hey, I got something. Now, most likely, he, he was probably, though he was young, he was probably already at work in the family business, which must have been fishing because he had fishes and loaves, had five loaves, two fish. Now, for all of you who think, oh, you know, you're, you're thinking of like what you buy at Walmart or Kent Kroger, you know, loaves. No. Think crackers and sardines. Okay, five loaves, little things, two, two fish. He goes, I got something. Probably he got from his own livelihood. It was going to be his lunch that day. I got five loaves and two fish. And Jesus is like, okay, we'll use that. And I can see Peter going, oh, boy. Somebody put up the barricade. The riot's about to start, right? Jesus said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to bless it and break it, and we're going to send it out. And Jesus takes that little meager offering, and when it was all over, everybody was fed, and they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Now think for a minute how God just, just completely ravaged the heart of that little fellow with those five loaves and two fish. Think about Peter and James and John, who when they're walking towards people, and they're like, yeah, I got this one crack, cracker here. 
I hope you all can split that. And he gives it to him. And all of a sudden, the whole family eats. He's like, what just happened? Okay, you take. And all of a sudden, James is like, Peter, did you? What? He's like, I know, I know. Keep going, keep going. And they're, all of a sudden, all of them are like, oh, my. And all the people there suddenly knew God was God, right? Because the guys who could do the work did the work. The little fellow who had the offering gave the offering. And suddenly God took what was meager and did using human agency, he did something nobody could imagine, right? Listen, to, I just, this was just in my devotionals this morning. Listen to this. We learn from this narrative, and he's talking about the catch of fish that Peter and, that Peter and John pulled in there when, when they were first called into ministry. Remember that? They've, they've toiled all night. They've, they've, been, they've been out on the, on the boat. And Jesus is like, hey, throw that on the other side. And they're like, oh. We've been here. Okay, just because you say so, let's, let's, let's exalt this guy for a minute. He obviously doesn't know nothing about fishing. You don't fish during the daytime, you fish at night. It's daytime now. We caught nothing all night, and he wants to throw the things on over the daytime. And so, we're like, okay, because you say so, all right. And they throw it over right, and they begin to draw in fish, and it's so much that it begins to weigh down the boat. The nets begin to break, right? Listen, listen to this. We learn from this narrative about the catch the necessity of human agency. The drought of fish was miraculous, yet neither the fisherman nor his boat nor his fishing tackle were ignored, but all were used to take the fishes. So in the saving of souls, God worketh by means, and while the present economy of grace shall stand, God will be pleased by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. When God works without instruments, doubtless he is glorified, but he has himself selected the plan of instrumentality as being that by which he is most magnified in the earth. In other words, he takes weak people, weak things, he lets them participate, and he does something amazing with their weakness. He does something amazing with their little bit of work, a little bit of energy, a little bit of effort. He might need it, but he chooses to use it and go, dude, I am in that. I am in that life. I am in that workplace. I am in that neighborhood. I am in that church. I am in that community. And I'm using these people. And you guys know who they are. And they can't make that happen. But I'm among them. Oh, dude, that's, that's the glory of God. That's the glory of God. So you've got to grind daily and consistently. You've got to be giving intentionally and generously so that God can work and be glorified in your life. Last point. Look at verse 6. Plant your seed in the morning and keep busy all afternoon. For you don't know if profit will come from one activity or another, or maybe both. Here's the thing. You have to live consistently and persistently while working industriously. you got to grind daily. you got to give indulgently. you got to grow in generosity, right? So God can accomplish what he wants. And you don't really know all the time what he wants because you're walking by faith. And so when he puts something in front of you, you do it. You live it out. You, 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 you work hard at whatever's in front of you. You let him be who he is. You do what you can do and see what God does with it. You, give, you, you be over the top in your generosity with your time and your energy, your, 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 your skill set. Be, be, be over the top in your giving of finances and other things. But understand this. It's you and God working in tandem. That he will work in and out and through your life if you will but yield to him on a daily basis. Let me ask you a question. Where, where, where are you not consistent or persistent? Because I, I believe God wants to show his work through the hands of people. And this people is just, a, just, a, just about the, the, the right kind of people God would use. 
He took 12 dudes, minus one, and then they tried to add another guy to the mix, and he changed the whole world. And so if we would sit here in this room and say, what could God do? Man, the, the, the options are limitless. Like right now, Ross County could be a different place to live. Southern Ohio could be a different place to live because God don't need much. He just needs someone. And you qualify. So let me ask you a question. When you look back at your life, where is your life not consistent or persistent in conjunction with your relationship with Jesus? Where where right now is your life not consistent or persistent living out the, the tenets of the gospel in your workplace or in your home? in your neighborhood? Where, 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 where is that pinpoint right now? Because if the Word of God is our, is our mirror and we're looking at it and we're looking at ourselves through it, how is God not able to get glory from my life? That's the question I should ask. Where are the areas that he's most struggling to show himself to be strong and faithful? Where am, look at it this way. Where am I not working with him? What, what, what is that? Ask yourself this question. Where, where am I not industrious? Where am I not taking what God's given me and doing something with it? Where is it? Ask yourself this question. How, how, how am I, how, how's my generosity? Or maybe what areas of my life am I less than generous in? I mean, I'm okay with the baskets up front. It's cool. But don't ask me to get on a schedule. I'm a busy man, and I'm really important. I tried to pull that one on Jesus about nine months ago, and he's like, yeah, Whatever. Whatever. Uh, I'm really too busy for that. Uh, not if I tell you to do it, you're not. Okay, and I start shaking my head like this. Okay, yeah, whatever. What, what is it? Because here's, here's some, here's, you've got to make some alterations. I think one of the first things all of us have to do, we've got to seek honesty in ourselves before God. And we found it in those two places. We've got to seek it in the lives of other people. And what I mean is we, we become open and honest and we make ourselves accountable to those God's put in our lives because circles are better than rows. It's important that we grow together, right? So, so when you ask yourself that question, how am, how am I being persistent or lacking persistence? How am I being consistent or being less than consistent? And then I have to engage with the Holy Spirit and say, God, that is me. I'm right. You're right. Uh-huh. i got to be honest with you. you be honest with me. But then I have to take it to another level if I really want to grow and go, there's some people God's put in my life who will help me overcome that. So who is that? You've got to make some alterations. You've got to alter your schedule. See, most of us, here's what I keep hearing over again. I'm too busy. You know what? If you're too busy for the things of God, you're too busy. When God leads you to something and he opens something, I don't care how good you are at something. I don't care how great your kids are at sports. I don't care how, when God opens up and your answer is, I'm too busy, dude, you're too busy. And if you don't prioritize certain things, God's work's going to be delayed and getting accomplished. Does that trip you out? Because he wants to use human agency. And if everybody he comes to, he's going, I'm too busy, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. You know what? He's never going to get his stuff done. At some point in time, you're going to say, I can get up early in the morning, and I can read my Bible. You know what? I can serve at Hope Clinic. You know what? I can serve at Seeds of Hope. You know what? I can serve at Elizabeth's Hope. You know what? I can get on the sound ministry. You know what? I can serve in worship ministry. You know what? I can. You know what? And all of a sudden things are I can make time for my neighbor. Doggone it. But we got to adjust the schedule. And you know what? We've got we to make some things automatic. Some things have to become natural. 
Rachel talked about giving a minute ago. That's one reason we, we, we decided to go online, not because we, want to, because we want you to be able to prioritize it. And I know how I, we've had those moments where we were supposed to give, and Rachel, I'm like, hey, did you bring it? No, I forgot. I thought you had it. No, 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 no. Can I say something else to you? There's other things you should make automatic. One of the things I learned over the summer is this. I have to do automatic things to make sure my family goes the way it's supposed to. And I got, I got kind of a nice nudge last night that maybe I, I, I was falling back into some old ways. I had to put things on my calendar to make sure my kids got me or my wife got me. I had to make them automatic. I had to be able to look at things and go, no, I don't have time on that Friday night. I got something going on. Sorry. Because if I just let things go, then my life will not be lived consistently or persistently. And my biggest hope is that God will be glorified by the life that is Aaron Hines that he'll be glorified by the Heinz family as a collective, that he will be glorified by the people called Church Triumphant as an entity, and that we will be what God wants us to be. But if we're unintentional about that, and we're just going to flippantly just go with it, we're never going to get there. I'm never going to get there. I've just proven that over and over and over again. Is he going to make me? Where? Where is it? If you feel like your life is out of whack, can I say this? Jesus is the person who takes out of whackness and puts it back in correct order. I'm not even sure that's a word, but it works, and you know what I mean. When you're the preacher, you got a certain amount of liberty. You can make up stuff as you go along. Unless it flies in the face of this right here. I've been known to create new terminology standing up here. So you get out of whackness today. Huh? If your life's out of whack, for real, God will put it back in perspective. And here's the thing about him. You know what he does? He goes, listen, there's a better way. I can do this with you. If you'll let me, he never condemns. He does convict, and he, he, he challenges us. But he says, listen, I know your life's out of whack. Guess what? I'm the person who takes out of whackness and puts it back in order. Do you want some? I'll give it to you for free. No way. And so right now, dad, right now, mom, right now, husband, right now, wife, right now, friend, right now, coworker, right now, right now, child, right now, aunt, uncle, whoever, whatever's out of whack. Listen, let's get it back together. I'll walk with you. I'll help you get it together. But I need you to be intentional and walk towards me. You get that? If we draw near to him, he draws near to us. That's what the scriptures say. He stands at the door and knocks as if any man hears my voice and comes and opens the door. I'll come into his life, and I'll sit down with him, and we'll eat and do life together, and things will go where they're supposed to go. They won't be easy. They won't always be fun, but it will end up where it's supposed to end up. And he says, you're a candidate. Close your eyes for a minute. Now just ask Jesus, where's my life inconsistent or lacking persistence? Where is it? Just ask him. You and him have an interaction. See, if I just sit here and talk and you don't interact with, with the Holy Spirit of God and, and the God who created you, it makes no difference. God, where, where am I less than industrious? Where am I squandering what you've given me? Where, where am I not really working on the things you've, you've given me to work with or to work on? God, where am I less than generous? Can I say something to you married folk? There's no such thing as too much generosity in marriage. No such thing. No such thing as too much giving. None. Zero, zilch, nada. 
And there's some, there's some widows and some widowers sitting in here with us right now who would give anything to be able to give more to a spouse they used to have. Would give anything. And so I encourage you right now, however much you think you've given and how hard you think you've worked, it probably isn't. You, when it's all over, you'd have wished you'd, you, 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 had, you had given more, that you'd worked harder at it. And so it's very real application. Parent, now's not the time to stop giving to your kids. Now's not the time to, to, to stop working hard on the relationships you've tried to build with them over the years. But it's going to take you giving, too. It's going to take you giving because you can, not because you want to make them do something. Coworkers, workers, now's not the time to give up on what's going on at your, at your place. You've been there a long time. It's time for you to really plug in and say, I'm going to make a difference here. I'm going to do something significant. Neighbors, you probably haven't given enough to help somebody else out. You probably haven't done all you can. And if you give your little, Jesus will make much out of it. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.